This podcast is supported by Audible. To find out how you can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible, check out audibletrial.com slash lead. Hi, this is Andrew King, and you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is Andrew King, and I am a research associate at the Batten Institute, which is a research think tank embedded within the Darden School of Business at the University of Virginia. The Batten Institute has been tasked with helping Darden become a thought leader in innovation and entrepreneurship, and I support that role by supporting our professors, doing research, and conducting uh, our own research into practical questions around innovation. So, uh, and this has nothing to do with the book. We'll get to that in a second. But it's kind of interesting. It seems like you've stumbled upon the the, the perfect job then, because in, in my, th- there are people that love to be in the classroom and people love to be researched, and too often we ask them to do both. And you've stumbled into the perfect, like oh, I'm just here to do research and here to answer the deep questions around innovation and design thinking. It is great. Many many professors are look at me with a little bit of a envy. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. And it, and it allows for time for interviews like this, which is awesome. So uh, I should say what triggered this is um, the new book. I, I'm calling it relatively new. It's been out about a month, month and a half now. Um, Solving Problems with Design Thinking, 10 Stories That Works. I really loved digging into this book for a lot of reasons we'll get into in a second. But but first, I wanted to ask you kind of what what's the story on the research behind this? This is a collaboration of you um, and two other authors, although I'm sure there were a lot more people involved in the research. How did this research question come about and sort of morph and turn into this book? It's actually a, a long, drawn-out story. I can talk about when I joined the Batten Institute about seven years ago. I joined Jean Litka and her research project into growth leaders. And she was looking at these leaders, these middle managers in large companies that were in stagnant industries but these managers were still able to have double-digit annual growth even though their industries were stagnating. And we looked at them and talked with them and interviewed them under the guise that many, many of these organizations said they wanted to embrace innovation, but they weren't doing it. And now some of their people were doing it, but they didn't understand why. And we decided to really pick that question apart. And all of a sudden, when we were going through these 50-odd interviews with people from 3M and IBM and really large corporations, we began seeing the overlap with design thinking. And Jean has a, a good relationship with Roger Martin, and she, he introduced her to the ideas many years ago. And all of a sudden, these themes began popping out, and almost in in a design-like way, we began seeing those themes emerge. And from there, we realized, okay, we really need to focus in on design thinking and find out how we can learn more. And we developed a partnership with the Design Management Institute, who helped us target about 15 different programs or projects that had a really strong design focus, but weren't the traditional uh, product management or product development stories. 
they've helped us find stories that were really about process and changing the way companies approach their businesses and really developing new business models. And I think that's an interesting distinction. Uh, it tends to be when we hear the term design thinking, we think back to, to IDEO and the computer mouse or Continuum and the, the Reebok pump, right? We think about a lot of product design, and even those firms are sort of shifting and saying, well, no, this process doesn't just work for product design. It can be services. It can be experiences, et cetera. And what you found is actually some some evidence of the design thinking mentality and the design thinking process in, in larger um, almost management uh, operations and in uh, strategy making and all of these sort of things that go beyond uh, product design. Tell me, I mean, I wonder if you, you could comment on sort of that shift in where we're going with uh, a study on design thinking and where it's going to apply. And then we can dig into some of the, uh, some of the things the book covers on how design thinking is being used at these different companies. It's amazing that the designers have, over the years that they've used these, developed these tools to create products, that managers have been somewhat blind to them blind to the power of those different types of tools. And as these begin to make as these tools begin to make the transition over to the management side, the business side, the analytical side of, of the business, their power is becoming more and more apparent because they're helping change the way managers look at problems, understand problems, and they help uh, raise uh, raise the possibilities and the opportunities that were hidden by the traditional managerial or analytical thinking that has dominated business practice earlier. And as things change now towards more innovation innovation focus, these tools translate translate well for managers. So, so let's talk about some of those those tools and some of the ways that managers are kind of applying this. The the book uses uh, ten different stories um, from a variety of places. Some are kind of in, innovation powerhouses. We we think about like companies like 3M, although they're using it in in things like I, I thought it was fascinating. They're using it not just in designing new products, but in designing kind of ways to engage with the customer. And then others are even in things like financial services, a, a notoriously sort of um, old and traditional realm that design thinking is helping to really sort of bring some innovation into. But, but talk about what it looks like, how, how managers can adopt some of these tools and, and what that's looked like in some of these companies. Uh, stories are very different, even though they focus in on the same topic. It's amazing how in some cases, like uh, at MeU Health, the director of a new product line or a whole new system of approaching well-being, he understood that design thinking was going to help him get at the the real core of what well-being is for people but he had to encourage his the managers who basically owned his company to adopt that way so he came at it from a completely i know this is the way we need to do it and i have to sell it and i'm going to sell it by using the data that i generate to help these managers see that my data is worthwhile and that we can really invest cash into it. But then in other stories, um, like at, uh, um, 
for example, even the, the city of Dublin, that's a totally different case where it's even outside of the business realm. And the city managers needed to make changes to their city, but they didn't have any really any resources to do it. And they didn't know what to do. And they went fishing more or less. And they found some designers who were skilled at solving big problems. And they realized quickly that they, that these designers were worth making a small investment in. And that small investment became hugely valuable. Now, I, I, I think it's, it's kind of fascinating to me that, that especially the Dublin story, I mean, none of, none of these stories are just, yeah, we, we built a better product or we designed, you know, a, a new chair, et cetera, which when we think about some of the results of design thinking, you know, I think back to the very first time that design thinking went prime time was probably 15 years ago now, and it was challenging, um, I think 60 Minutes challenged IDEO to des- redesign the shopping cart. And now we're looking at redesigning whole um, you know, customer contact centers, redes- redesigning the way we think about strategic planning. And it's been an incredible evolution, but it's not been without some of its challenges, especially in getting businesses organization-wide to adopt some of the practices of, of design thinking. You, you mentioned a few in the book, but what are some of the, the challenges to getting design thinking uh, to spread more rapidly through an organization? Oh, that is a big question. One part of that is, should design thinking spread through an entire organization? Fair point. <laughs> it's, we, we'd like to think it should because you can apply it at multiple levels of analysis when you're solving a problem. You can use it full-blown for a whole new business model or you can use it just to to tweak a process. But at the same time, Design thinking is is a complex set of tools that applied well creates really dramatic changes. And sometimes dramatic changes are just scary for processes that only need a small tweak. But in, in big organizations that really need an injection of new new thinking, new ways to move forward, getting it into the DNA of the corporation really requires a a top-down press. We didn't see very many really successful um, deployments of design thinking from the bottom up. Usually it's some sort of managerial level who says, all right, this, this way of approaching problems is worth investing the time and effort into because we're going to get something out of it at the end. And they give their there's uh, people that they're supervising the leeway to spend the time and the effort on design thinking. Whereas if you're at the, at the very bottom at the, the technical level, trying to convince your manager to, to give you time to try this is going to be a little bit harder. sell. you, you have to sell it really hard and you might not get the freedom that's required. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of what. um, Peter Sims calls little bets or what Chip and Dan Heath call ooching, the idea of taking sort of little steps uh, towards something and testing and seeing if it's working. And you mentioned that top-down approach. If, if I were, what would you say, if I'm a senior leader at an organization and I want to help sort of bring this in, what do you think are some of the first steps I should take? I mean, hi, hire a bunch of ethnographers and designers, or are there, there are other resources and tools I can bring in to get my people used to the idea of the design thinking mindset and the design thinking process? You asked that question of an educator, so we feel like there's there's strong value in, in having at least a certain level of education about 
this particular process. It's, it's difficult to just shove a book towards somebody and say, go read this and go deploy it with perfect uh, replication success that all these other great companies have had. So there are different training opportunities uh, from different organizations. But uh, really, that, that is a, a challenging thing. Many of the companies that we highlight, or actually all of the companies that we highlight in our book, had designers who were versed in traditional product design, but also in making that translation to manager, managerial design thinking. And they, the designers, trained the managers in the, their client companies. They carried them through the process. And these managers were trained on the job. They were so thrilled by the experience that they had that they began pushing it down into their own organizations. And that that model has proved successful. Hmm. And I, I think it's, it's a good point about there being designers uh, already kind of involved in the organization, although sometimes they come in from the outside, like in the city of Dublin, or if, if we had sort of no real designers and we had to come in and do a, a training program or a formal education program. At the same time, I, there's always that sort of not invented here, that's not how we do things symptom you see in, in a, a lot of people inside an organization, whether they be frontline individual contributors, middle managers, etc. I, I guess my my last question around this design thinking methodology, I mean, every full disclosure, everybody listening knows you and I are both for it and for teaching it and learning it. But to those people who are, are sort of not, you know, thinking, what is this new thing? Is this just a trend that's going to last? What are some ways to, that, that I, we can help those people get a little more used to the idea? Um, you mentioned that working directly with the designers, et cetera, but are there, are there any other ways we can get people used to these concepts beyond handing them a, a ironically poorly designed book like most of them or a well-designed book like this one? That's actually a, a, a challenging question that I haven't given enough thought to. But I mean, it's such a good question that I'm embarrassed to say that we haven't really given this good, good enough thought. Um, I mean, highlighting examples is a great way to go forward. Um, but the, the real power, I think, that makes this more than just a trend is that it's, it is such a, an all encompassing process. It starts at looking at defining your process, defining your problem, really focusing in on understanding your problem, moving through um, ideation around how to change the solutions that you had originally thought about and then ooching forward or doing small tests to make sure that you're understanding the problem the way you are. From that perspective, design thinking can begin to move into, a, into an organization in, in small stages, even if you just adopt one particular part, just the prototyping and experimentation. Even if you may not have done a really good job on finding a problem, you can at least get results around that and begin moving to adopt more and more tools as you gain success with it. See, I think that's an awesome answer. So worked well. Sorry to surprise you with that question. 
So we, we've talked a lot about how design thinking works in, in organizations, how leaders can apply it, um, how they can experiment, have little successes. But one of the stories that I, and we've mentioned it a couple times, that I really, really loved was the story of the city of Dublin using it, not not just because it's a cool story, but also because it's evidence that this is a, a thing that works beyond product design and even beyond businesses, but works in the nonprofit, in the public sectors, kind of works no matter what the organization is. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what recommendations you have and what ways you're seeing um, social organizations and nonprofits get involved with design thinking to, to better their mission? Well, the fact that design thinking can translate across from product design to business model development into the social sector attests to its power and flexibility. And the city of Dublin used it to great effect because the city during the financial crisis after 2008 began to see general malaise in their populace and they the city council wanted to figure out how how could they improve their city get people more engaged with their city and if you use traditional benchmarking look at how other cities that you, you would build a big new transportation line or or build a new big park and that should just make everybody happy but they very carefully used design thinking to understand, build a deeper, deeper understanding of their citizens, what the citizens really enjoyed about the city, what caused them pain about the city. And the design thinking technique being deployed at that level opened up an entirely new set of opportunities that that other cities would not have seen. And, and that, that is at a, at a large city level, that deep, deep connection um, that this counselors built just by deploying design thinking tools really helped them begin to develop a deeper engagement with their, with their citizens because as the design thinking process rolled out, they actually, the, the counselors found volunteers. They increased their volunteer ranks by hundreds of people just by engaging with this design process. No, I, I think it's a, a fascinating example, and it's proof to me that, you know, on some level, I feel like we're still in, as Jeff Bezos would say, we're still in day one. You know, he talks about how Amazon.com, with all their success, is still in day one. We've seen all this success um, and all these applications of design thinking, and I feel like we're still in day one. We're still learning um, just how useful it can be in so many different areas, and, and I love even in, in the book um, – you guys almost went through a design thinking process in writing the book. It began as this question of innovation, a little bit of design. Then as you really began to research, you realized, well, let's, let's scale back and make sure we're actually on the right question here. And then let's move back forward again. It's a, it's a fascinating story. So I want to encourage our listeners. If you, if you believe like if you've, <laughs> to, to use a, an earlier off offline term, if you have drunk the design thinking Kool-Aid and you want to help other people by handing out more glasses, um, solving problems with design thinking is great. Not just because it really complements uh, the toolkits and the tools that are out there, but it's a great example of all of these stories of success. But I wonder if it's okay to switch a little bit from the book to you and ask you a couple questions. Uh, the first being, what are you reading right now? To be perfectly honest, my reading is very much focused in on things that the Academy of Management is publishing. 
not only am I a research associate, I'm a PhD student. And I am trying to develop my entire thesis around design thinking. And that's proving challenging. It's such a complex, large topic that trying to get it into the academic literature is, is really challenging. So I am looking at different, different psychological measures, um, different performance, creativity measures. And as much as I would love to be able to run down to Barnes and Noble and scour the, pay, the, the bookshelves of all the really great things that are coming out, I am hunkered down and looking at all the different uh, really tedious, almost painful academic literature that's coming out. You know, there, there is a, 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 a place for people like you. Uh, we're, we're the same way. I, uh, Leader Lab started when I was doing my doctorate, as a lot of our listeners know, and became, became very much a, I'll read the studies so you don't have to and draw out the lessons so you don't have to. So there is a, there is a need for people who can do that and communicate them into um, books like what you guys have put out. I, I wonder, though, in addition to that, and, and keep, us, keep us up to date on what's going on with that research, because I think uh, pushing this into the, to the academic realm and getting it, um, I think it's a testable and verifiable model. Um, we just need to, to actually do it. What is next for, uh, for you, for the Batten Institute, and, and all of the group of researchers that are pushing this forward? What, what should we look for on the horizon? We are looking for uh, ways to, to apply this type of thinking. For example, we convene large groups of thought leaders at the Jefferson Innovation Summit. Uh, it's a recurring event that we've held now twice, and we'll be holding it again next autumn. And each time that we've convened legislators, teachers, business leaders, we actually use the design thinking problem with these with these people. We have a large discussion. We build our um, question out, and then we put these 60, 80 bright people in a room and say, here's a process. Here's a design thinking process. You only got a day to do it, but you're going to put it to good use. And it's amazing the types of information that this technique can pull out of them. And we will be producing a compendium of research around innovation ecosystems and entrepreneurial ecosystems. That's our current question. And we're also working at education in in the innovation entrepreneurship sphere. And fortunately, we can say that design thinking played a crucial role in developing that information, helping, helping all of these intelligent people draw it out of their brains. That's awesome. And, and more evidence that uh, this is a process that can be applied to solve problems across the board, whether it's uh, the traditional realm of sort of product design and product uh, innovation, or whether it's total disruptive innovation in something like the social sectors, um, it can work. And if you want to know more about what, where it has worked in the past, we want to encourage our listeners to check out Solving Problems with Design Thinking, Stories of What Works. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us inside the Leader Lab today. Oh, that was wonderful. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, David.